Welcome to Baby Tour Guide's Montessori Babies podcast. I'm your host and baby tour guide, Bianca Solorsano, and for the last decade, I have dedicated myself to helping parents, educators, and caregivers optimize baby development through a Montessori lens. This podcast is all about evolving our Montessori practice to make our time with our sweet babies easier, relaxed, and so much fun. Let's jump into it. everyone. Welcome to season two, episode 27 of our Montessori Babies podcast. This week's episode is really unique. I am so excited about this week. We are diving into Montessori hygiene, and then we are jumping into an interview with a wonderful lady named Eileen Steinberg, and she's going to be talking about lice and lice prevention. So I want to offer just a full-on trigger warning for those of you who get the itches whenever you hear the the word lice. <laughs> but initially, you know, when her team reached out to me about coming on the show, the first couple things that went through my mind were that something that's not often talked about in, you know, what you see about Montessori online is that we actually study hygiene. We study, you know, how to best clean, you know, the child and then start to get them involved in that in the Montessori training. So I thought having these tools in your pocket for preventing lice um, and preventing the spread of it in your home if your child does come in contact with it would be really incredibly helpful. And that's another goal of my show, you know, is to offer you as many tips as possible so you feel, you know, just empowered and prepared and ready for whatever may come your way. Another thing is, as you guys know, I've been working with babies and toddlers at this point for almost 15 years in both the home and school settings and I have seen lice multiple times even with our littles. I distinctly remember one time when I was working in the classroom setting, um, a parent was dropping off a child who had this just gorgeous, gorgeous, curly, thick hair and when she had entered the classroom, I had noticed just something small, like kind of crawl on her hairline and I didn't really think too much of it but I did a check right there and she did have lice and so we had to send her home and the reason I knew what it looked like is because when I was a child, it my sister had brought it home and it made its rounds in our house for a couple months and was really hard to get rid of. And because it's so around, you know, in schools, it's very, very common. And so I'm excited to share this conversation with you guys because she truly just studied the life cycle of the bug and basically offers incredible tips on how to prevent the spread of it. And what I love is that she takes this really beautiful, approach that doesn't feel shameful and she just tries to create a safe space around this topic because it's not often you know spoken about you don't often just say oh you know my child had lice you know it's a more of a hush hush kind of conversation typically but she just really empowers the parent and child I felt inspired and empowered and ready for whatever you know may come my way yeah so I am so excited to jump into that but first let's go ahead and do our quote for the week So our quote is by the amazing Dr. Montessori, and she said, the teacher shows the child how to use the materials, how to wash himself, but it is the child who handles the material, perfects himself in his exercise, and keeps his face clean of his own accord. Thus, he is both active and free, and from these two factors is created that vital quality of a strong character, internal discipline. So because we dove into hygiene in the Montessori training and it became a form of, you know, empowerment and taking care of oneself and, you know, starting with the parent and then kind of being passed on onto the child, which is a natural process for every single human, right? Every single human who comes into the world 
learns how to take care of themselves and clean themselves and all of that. And so this is just kind of a part of it. And I love that Montessori includes that. It includes the empowerment of the whole self, including stuff like that. And you see tiny glimpses of even Montessori lessons that include hygiene, like hand washing and teeth brushing or something that you would see in a toddler classroom, for example. And it's definitely stuff that I'm already doing with my son. We have a tower in our bathroom. I don't exactly have enough space for a whole self-care station. So I have a stool and a tower and he has a little basket where we keep his toothbrush and his toothpaste and he climbs up there and he knows how to turn on the water and rinse his toothbrush. And then I, you know, squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube and then he gets his little toothbrush and scoops it off the top and then starts brushing his teeth and you know stuff like that and then for washing his body he's really starting to practice that now in his bath and shower and so anyway it's just one of the things that I love about Montessori it just really includes all aspect of you know the child and his learning experience and that's part of it is learning about your body and how to keep it clean so anyway we're gonna be talking about that in today's conversation with Eileen Steinberg on lice and lice prevention. So before we jump into our conversation, let's learn a little bit about Eileen. She's the founder and CEO of the Center for Lice Control, which is a company on a mission to eradicate head lice in the U.S. through educating the public about the prevention, detection, control, and treatment of lice. They've educated thousands of kids, parents, school staff, sports teams, pediatricians, and their nurses day and overnight camp employees and more across the U.S. And they also offer widely popular lice treatment products without any pesticides or harsh chemicals. Dubbed the Lice Queen, Eileen has over 20 years of experience in treating lice infestations and she's personally checked or successfully treated over 30,000 heads for lice. She started removing lice while working at an overnight camp owned by her pediatrician who later referred her to families that needed help. After seeing a demand for her service, Eileen started a home lice removal business in the late 2000s and later the first lice treatment center near Philadelphia. In less than two years, she grew that company into a multi-state company with 10 franchises and sold those treatment centers to pursue her passion to educating communities about head lice prevention, reducing the stigma, and handling outbreaks with confidence. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation so we feel ready and empowered for whatever may come our way. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Eileen. I am so, so excited to have you today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you and help educate people about this icky topic. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a bit of your history and just what brought you to lice and lice prevention? So I have four kids. When my oldest, who is now 26, when he was little, he had very thick but short hair and we started in preschool and there was a big outbreak that went through our preschool he was two and my daughter who is now 25 was like nine months old and she hardly had any hair on her head and there was an outbreak in preschool so we ended up of course he got lice like a lot of the other kids little people are space invaders they get into each other's space (laughs) And so we had it and I treated it a few times and I thought I was fine. And about a month later, three weeks, a month later, they did head checks to get into preschool because this outbreak was not going away. So they figured if, 
you, you can't leave unless your child is checked. And then if they are clear, they go off to their classroom and the parent can go. If not, they check the moms. So, mm-hmm. of course, they found it on him. My daughter is in her carrier and I sit down and they check my head. And before I even sat down, the person that was doing the head checks, who was a registered nurse, almost screamed and said, oh, my God, <laughs> you have it. Now, I probably had it for about two months undetected. You know, you're a mom. You have two little kids. I was busy. I was nursing. There were, you know, hormone changes. I was itchy, but Mm -hmm. I, I, I wasn't off the chain itchy. Like it wasn't like on fire. I was after she told me I had lice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As it happens. Yeah. Right. So we treated it. I don't even remember how I got rid of it. I'm a pretty laid back person by nature. This kind of threw me. Um, I got very anxious about it. And if if you were in front of me at the market and you scratched your head, I went to another line. I didn't care how long the line was, but I wasn't mm-hmm. standing behind you. Um, funny enough, we scratch our heads. There's nothing to it most of the time that we scratch our heads. But fast forward, um, I am now... Nine, eight years later, I worked at an overnight camp that my pediatrician owned and I brought my four kids and my two weeks, my first two weeks into camp, I'm like learning the ropes and how to, it's a very intense um, time at camp. And uh, they called me from the health center and they said, two of your campers in your division have head lice. You need to check the rest of your division. And I was so not expecting it. It was such a trigger for me that I just started to shake. And I thought, well, I know what I'm looking for, but I hope I don't find it because what's going to happen if I find it? And then I kind of, you know, the, the first person I found it on, she was like, yes, I have lice. I get to go to the health center and watch TV. And, you know, her reaction fueled me to turn this into, okay, who's next? Let's get this through. And the first seven people I checked had it. Oh, wow. So I was in it. And so by the end of that day, we had 14 cases. Everything, the pediatrician, of course, gave us her guidance on what to do and how to do it. And we used the -the over-the-counter products. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was that it wasn't my fault that I didn't get rid of it. I kept thinking, what am I missing in my house? What did I do wrong? Where here we are at camp, it was product failure. It wasn't Mm -hmm. us doing anything wrong. We had school nurses that worked at overnight camp following the instructions and blown away that there were still live lice Mm. on these campers. So I spent the summer trying to get rid of it. We finally gave up on all the products. We tried mayonnaise, we tried Vaseline, we tried other remedies, oils. And I just started nitpicking, which is where the word comes from, going <laughs> through their hair, nitpicking, taking the nits out oh, yeah. um, in the hot sun. After that summer, my pediatrician said, I know now what doesn't work. Would you be interested if I gave out your number? And so I was a pastry chef. So I would go to work really early in the morning and my day was done at like 2.30 and then I'd start treating people. You know, I printed directions off of Google Maps before there was like GPS and I was running to homes treating people without a product. And, you know, I knew what to look for. I knew how to check and take care of people and I educated, but it wasn't until I treated somebody that had special needs 
that I could not comb out, that I discovered I understand the life cycle. I know how to take care of this. But if I can figure out how to eliminate the bugs, Mm -hmm. we could beat the life cycle without removing any nits. And that took about a year. So in 2007, I worked at the camp. And in 2008, towards the end, I developed the product that I still use today. It's just made a little bit better than when I was making it in my dining room. It's much better of Uh a formula and easier to use. But that was my history. I thought how easy this is going to be because I know exactly how to treat and not have any issues. But it's such a stigmatized topic Mm -hmm. that my, you know, idea of how easy this was going to be to get the right information out there was recognized over the many years of me explaining to people and them, you know, not telling people or, you know, it, it, it it's lice. So there's yeah. a stigma. So now really my goal is to re- reduce the stigma and remind people that you actually, if you think about it, you get lice for all the right reasons. And I hope that that, and only the sweetest people for that reason only the sweetest people get lice. So, you know, this is this is a tall task, I understand, but <laughs> your Montessori babies and your young families are my perfect audience to help get that message out. Well, I'm really really looking forward to kind of diving into the nitty-gritty <laughs> on this topic because it's really prevalent. I've seen it, you know, I was in the classroom for a lot of years. We've seen it come in and out of the school setting, also home settings, because you can get it anywhere, really, you know. And I know in my own personal past, it rotated out of our house at one point. I have a younger sister um, who's six years younger than me, and she caught it and it rotated. You know, all of us had thick, long hair, like down to our bottoms, thick, long hair. And oh yeah. my goodness, it was in our house for like three months. And to this day, I will randomly like go like this and then kind of check, you know. <laughs> It sticks with you. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. So today's episode, you know, in Montessori, there's an idea called the prepared adult. And that's kind of what I'm hoping with today's episode is to offer the information for parents so they're empowered and ready and just to have the tools that they need should they encounter lice around, you know, their school and and their home or whatever. So why don't we start with knowing what to look for? So can you describe what the typical symptoms are? Yes. Um, So typically, we will look for nits, which are lice eggs that are on the hair shaft, or if somebody is itching. However, you really want to find lice before any symptoms appear. And the reason for that is people are not itchy from the bugs crawling on their head. And it's a real thing. And it really people really feel it. But you feel that because somebody mentioned the word lice. Mm-hmm. Head lice is actually designed by nature to not be seen or felt. So they are chameleons. They don't change color to match their host. But once an adult female louse, who is what makes a person or an item contagious, if she transfers to a new host and one person has really dark hair and one person has really light hair, well, that louse from the dark hair is going to go on to the new host. And it's going to be pretty obvious because it's a lot darker than their hair. But Mm -hmm. the babies that hatch onto that host, once they start having meals, which it's a blood meal, their coloring will morph into or camouflage themselves onto that host. Mm. So they're very difficult to find. And by, by the time somebody is itchy, The itch comes from an allergic reaction to the bite. 
And their bite is done by them just taking their meal. It's very similar to a mosquito. And you are itchy from the allergic reaction to the mosquito bite. It's the same as a louse bite. Some people are very sensitive, so they're itchy very early, So, but there's not much to see. So you can search a head of hair and not find it, but eventually you will. And eventually that person will get itchier. It's very typical to be itchy and then not itchy for about a week. And then you get itchy again if you're sensitive. If you're not sensitive and you're not allergic, you may not, your body may not react to the ick, the itch factor for up to six to eight weeks. So if we're waiting for somebody to be itchy, we potentially waited way too long. A person is contagious after about 14 to 20 days from exposure. Wow. So a louse gets onto a new host. She lays knits right away, but she has a few meals and her transferring onto that new host is like a kamikaze mission. Mm-hmm. She dies because the new host is not compatible with her digestive system. But the nits that she laid will, in seven to 10 days, hatch. And then it takes another seven to 10 days for them to mature. Okay. Once those babies now mature, they're on their original, that's their original host. So they will thrive and the whole cycle continues. The next time somebody has head-to-head contact with that person or they share a brush. So back to your answer of your question, (laughs) best way to do a head check is a combing head check with a knit comb, a Mm -hmm. fine tooth comb, not a regular comb. That's not tight enough. Um, You need a good knit comb and you want to do a head check on damp, detangled hair. Now, our little babies are, you know, little, little people are less likely. It's more the elementary school kids that yeah. have lice that bring it home to their older and younger siblings, which mm. of course you sounds like you experience. But we do, I call it the peace of mind head check. And whether it's long hair or short hair, uh, the peace of mind combing head check is uh, really the best, quickest way to check for, for lice. So that's, and that's on our website, which people could um, access. Awesome. So how does one typically treat it? So if you do find it, what would be the next steps? Next steps are take a deep breath. (laughs) So this, unfortunately, I have a business because while the -the over-the-counter products work really well 30, 40 years ago, they started to become less and less effective. So now we're adding all these years and i you know just said that the life cycles every 7 to 10 days add 40 years to that lice have evolved to block out the neurotoxin that is used to attack their nervous system mm-hmm. so while the products have gotten less dangerous to humans because they started out it was ddt it was a carcinogen and even up until the 70s, they were using carcinogens to treat lice. And and in some states, in, like in my state, you're still able to uh, prescribe a carcinogen to treat lice, but it's so not necessary. And it no longer works because they evolved to block the chemical from attacking their nervous system. 
So there are treatments, a lot of them unfortunately contribute to the rise in lice outbreaks over the last 20 years. And I say to people that about 40% of our clientele that comes into the salon, they've been trying to get rid of it and they can't or they haven't. They think that they forgot to clean something in their house or they feel like they've done something wrong, very similar to what I experienced, but it is not anything they did wrong. It's product failure. So there are other types of products. Any product or treatment, whether it's professional or over-the-counter or online, that says it's one treatment and you're done, don't buy it. Mm. Lice is a life cycle. There are products that on the on the advertising or marketing, they'll say it's one treatment, but then when you get it and you go through the instructions, it will say comb every few days to make sure that you're seeing less and less. And, you know, it's way more work than what you think. But one treatment and done is not really accurate. I treat the life cycle and that's the best way to go about it. But if you're, I I don't want to paint the picture that you're not going to get rid of it with the -the over-the-counter products, but don't rely on just the -the over-the-counter products, especially ones that have permethrin or pyrethrins in them whether they're over-the-counter or prescription, you have to be very, very diligent and be on top of it. There's three things that are against you. The products don't kill all the bugs, mm-hmm. even though it says it on the label. The combs are with plastic handles, even if they have metal teeth. The plastic handles, the teeth are not tight enough, so it's not going to remove all the nits. Mm-hmm. And the follow-up schedule, treating today and then in 10 days, sets you up to fail because they could lay nits before that 10 day mark. And then you have, you, you've not captured the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are good treatments out there. I would recommend, I, I have a great treatment at centerforlicecontrol.com, but I would recommend people doing their research and reading the comments that people have. And because parents have to feel good about what they are doing, anything that's a pesticide, whether it's prescription or over-the-counter, there's ivermectin, permethrin, nitroba, these are pesticides. And if you want to go a pesticide-free route, then I I would look for something that's safe to use, especially on very little people. There's a heated air device You have to be three years old or older to use it. It's exclusively professional. Um, It's a good process. I used to use it. I don't anymore because my product works quicker. It's a a faster treatment um, and their process leaves behind, um, can leave behind live bugs and it's the live bugs that carry on and leave, lay the nits. So you want to make sure that you're killing the live activity. So, you know, just do the research, but you're better off doing the research before you're dealing with lice, because I promise you, if you have it, it's a knee jerk reaction. You want to get rid of it right away and you want to deal with it right away. And then you go to the store and you grab what is ever on the shelf. Mm. And if, if you can be proactive with this, if you're that kind of person that you want to do the research before you have a lice issue have it in your house, make sure it has a good shelf life. Because if you're three years old now, and you don't have lice until you're in seventh grade, you want to make sure what you purchase has a good long shelf life. My product is good for at minimum 12 years, it may lose its aroma, 
but it the effectiveness will always be there. So it's it's good to have just in case. Is there something that you recommend? So for example, a lot of the parents in our audience, they do have older siblings, you know, so they're kind of supporting their their infants through Montessori and, you know, have an older child. Is there something that you recommend for younger like babies and toddlers? Like I, for example, I had in my class, I had an infant who um, went on an airplane and came back and she walked back into my class and I kind of saw, I I had known a little bit about lies because we had it in our house and I saw a tiny little bug just right at her hairline go loop. And so we did a check and, you know, I, I unfortunately had to send her home to get treated and all of that. But is there something that you recommend for babies or toddlers? So babies or toddlers. So that toddler most likely had a sibling, an older sibling that probably had lice before they went away. You don't get head lice from airplanes, hotels. You do not get head lice from stuff. It comes from direct head-to-head contact. So that toddler most likely had a sibling that was in elementary school. If that was the only case that you found on your little people in your class, then it most likely came from an older sibling or somebody, a cousin that they played with that has older siblings. Little people get lice from their older siblings. So so the best advice is to be on top of the older siblings. I recommend checking the elementary school age, kindergarten through um, fifth, sixth grade, checking them twice a month. And that's with a combing head check because recognizing the life cycle, it takes seven from exposure uh, the female louse lays the nits, takes seven to 10 days for them to hatch and another seven to 10 days until they mature. So it takes 14 to 20 days from exposure to be contagious. Mm-hmm. If you're checking your elementary school children, the beginning of the month and the middle of the month, you're not going to, they're not going to have enough time to be contagious mm-hmm. and we can stop it with them before they share it with their little siblings or their teenage older siblings that are, are completely mortified. For sure. <laughs> so, so so that's my best advice. But if it's your, if, if all you have are little people and you want, I love when it's, it's as our kids get older, they're more and more independent and they rinse their own hair and they, you know, they don't always do a great job rinsing all the shampoo or conditioner out they're independent and they're learning how to be independent. So we're less hands on. And it typically, hopefully they're brushing and doing their own hair Mm -hmm. and putting it up to narrow the lice target because when your hair is down long and lovely, you have more of a target. So our older siblings, it's good to do those head checks, but it's also really good if you have kids in elementary school and then toddlers in some sort of school setting, maybe once a month doing a head check on them because they are in class with other kids that have older siblings if your child doesn't. And, you know, that's a good, I like to say middle school, high school, unless they babysit or have younger siblings, Mm -hmm. once a month is good. Yeah. So little people, once a month, if you get a knit comb and when they hit kindergarten and they're in a larger school setting, potentially, they know what their job is. They sit there and they let you comb. And by the way, as a parent, when you do those combing head checks, you gain that skill of checking and combing through the hair. You gain skills and a little confidence that if you do ever find it, 
you will know what to do. If you're a new parent hoping to implement Montessori at home, you may be surprised to know that you will be spending the majority of your days fostering independence with your baby. Yes, even more than the Montessori toys, materials, activities, and furniture that you see on social media. And fostering independence is the easiest and quickest way to transform your parenting experience, bringing peace to your parenting as you optimize your baby's growth during their most crucial years of development. Plus, fostering independence is the most misunderstood Montessori concept for babies. That is why I am teaching my Montessori workshop on fostering independence from infancy to toddlerhood. In this 30-minute workshop, you will learn what it truly means to foster independence the Montessori way, plus you'll get the exact steps on how to foster independence with our non-mobile babies, our sitting, slithering, crawling, and cruising babies, and our young toddlers. This workshop is usually $9, but because my goal is to support you as much as possible, I am gifting it to you totally free. So, if you're ready to transform both your experience and baby's experience during their most crucial time in their developmental journey, click the free workshop link in the show notes. And now, back to our show. That makes sense. So, I can imagine that there are long-lasting effects of lice from personal experience and just... You know, even when, like you said, when you mention lice, you scratch your head, <laughs> you know? And like I mentioned, when I was a child, we had it in our home. And I do, like I also mentioned, still find myself checking my head every now and again if there's like a random itch I have or something. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like what the the long-lasting effects are? Yes. Lice trauma is definitely a big factor. Parent that had a bad experience with lice in the past is very sensitive to it. And our kids pick up on that. Imagine a child, you know, toddlers don't recognize this as much, but if you're four, five years old and you find out you have lice and all of a sudden now the teacher is like, "Uh oh, okay, you have to go talk to the director. And then you go and you sit in the director and then the director checks your head and then they're, oh, we have to call your parent. And the parent comes in and then the parent's really scared and really upset and, and anxious. That little person sitting there thinking, what just happened? Why is everybody touching my head and freaking out? What did I do wrong? Why did I upset everybody? A lot of moms or parents cry when they find out. And what now, what did this person do to create that reaction? And it does a lot for that little person, mm-hmm. believe it or not. They're very, when they Uh, When I first started tree, when I had opened up my salon and kids would come into the salon, they would like dip a toe in the water. They would open the door and come in very shy because they've just gone through whatever they've gone through. And like I said, I've treated so many people. I I work with so many people that have already started treating on their own. So what happened leading up to the point that now they're coming into me? So here's the best thing that I can share with you and your listeners. You get lice for all the right reasons. And head lice only happens to the sweetest people. And why is that? Because we get lice from head-to-head contact. And when do we have head-to-head contact? You give someone a hug. (laughs) When you hug, when you work together yeah. In a close setting, it's not the sofa in the reading nook that gives you lice. It's two people sitting next to each other, reading one book with their heads touching. 
Mm -hmm. I used to lay in bed with my kids and read. That was one of my favorite daily activities to do with them. Mm -hmm. When I laid in bed with them, we shared their pillow. It's not, I slept with somebody in the same bed and now I have lice. If you were on one side of the bed and I was on the other side of the bed and we didn't share a pillow, you're not getting laid. They're not crawling from my head to your head across a bed. It's Mm -hmm. direct head to head contact. So when you're doing all these sweet things, what if you look at your pictures from the holidays and you go back and you see you get into a picture and it's very natural to just kind of lean in so we get lice for all the right reasons and the kids that are huggers they're my frequent flyers mm. <laughs> but they're so sweet and you don't want to change that because you guys in in this montessori beautiful world of uh environment of um nurturing and educating it there's a lot of up and movement and manipulatives and working together with different ages too and it's so sweet and so wonderful you don't want to distance people from that beautiful nurturing environment so do the head checks mm-hmm. don't wait for somebody to communicate don't wait for somebody to be itchy take lice control into your own hands and never worry about it. If you had a bad experience, it won't be that bad because now you know it doesn't live in your house. You don't have to tear your house apart. Now you know that there's a good process to get rid of it. You know you got it for all the right reasons. So take a moment. It's gross. It's disgusting. And then go into, we got this and Mm -hmm. let's all work together. In the salon, we watch a great movie mm-hmm. and we have snacks. I make whoever I'm treating feel like they did everything right to be in that chair. And mm-hmm. that's what I hope our parents do because you yeah. have your memory of it. We have a chance for it to be a different memory if it does ever happen. That's beautiful. I love that approach. It also makes sense as to why, you know, you spoke about we have to kind of destigmatize it and talk about it more. And so it's less uncomfortable and more just it's a part of the experience. It's part of school, you know. So one question that I have for you of whether it's a myth or not is that lice prefer clean hair. Is that a myth or is it just they or what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's a big myth. And, oh, and I love debunking these myths. Okay, <laughs> So if you really think about it and truly when people come in and they ask me questions, I let them ask me one or two questions. And I say, forget everything you thought you knew about lice because it's not accurate. Think about this. Let's go back and in time. Shampoo, washing our hair is more of a modern convenience. We never washed our hair. You lived a lifetime with rinsing your hair. They put powders in hair. They You wet your hair in the stream. You did not wash your hair like we do now. So mm-hmm. Not washing your hair for a couple of days, if you have it, helps them to thrive because when you do wash your hair, you're upsetting their environment. So they kind of lay dormant until the hair dries. Mm. But if you're not washing your hair to get it dirty enough so that they can thrive and you could have more knits Uh versus less. So um, clean or dirty hair, straight, curly, long, short ethnicity doesn't matter. If you have hair on your head and you're exposed to somebody that has head lice, doesn't mean you get it automatically. It absolutely means you're at risk. 
Okay. Good to know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you have any tips for preventing lice from entering your home? And if it does, what are the best tips for in-home treatment? So the best thing I can recommend is if you have long or medium length hair, updos, narrow the target. That that helps, you know, people with really long hair, if they put it in a, a ponytail, their hair is kind of still down. And also for teachers, because you know, there's so much love in these classrooms and little people use us as jungle gyms. It's, mm-hmm. It is part of how they learn to trust you. So mm-hmm. the best thing I can suggest is to do combing head checks. And if it's in the classroom, the teacher should check twice a month. Every teacher that works with preschool age kids should be doing combing head checks at minimum once a month. Because we, once again, we're relying on people to communicate and everybody should communicate. You don't do anything wrong to get lice, I say, but you did do something wrong if you didn't tell people that you had it. But people, I understand why people don't communicate. So with that said, a combing head check, narrow the target. And if you do a combing head check and you do find lice or nits, our videos on our website are really, really thorough and help you see what we do. But we do a combing head check and we wipe the knit comb into a white paper towel. Lice and their knits are brown, but dandruff, shampoo that's not rinsed out, all of that is white. Kids Mm -hmm. have cradle cap. That's kind of flaky, kind of brown, but knits and lice are brown and they show up on a paper towel. Now, if it's something that crawls across the paper towel, well, then you know you definitely have lice. If it's just the knits, then on our website, we actually have a sample card that shows you on our social media. On there, we have a sample card that shows you and you can take a picture with your phone of the white paper towel and blow it up and compare it to that picture and see. Uh-huh. Knits are very uniform in shape. The other thing I also is is important to mention that if you are visually looking, I recommend checking at least once a week. But what you're looking for, they are like a teardrop shape the knit bugs are on the move if you see a bug you got lucky or there's a lot of them Mm. quite honestly the knits are really what we look for because they don't skedaddle when you part the hair they're on they're anchored onto the hair shaft they're typically from a quarter of an inch on the hair shaft away from the scalp to about three inches often they're about an inch but they can be in that range And that's all viable. And there's a lot of information that says different things, but this is accurate. But if you take a a single hair strand and tie a knot in that hair strand and run your finger along it, that is what a knit feels like. And if you run your finger along it and you feel nothing and whatever's on there just smushes off, then it was dandruff or product or cradle Mm -hmm. cat. But if it's on there and you feel it, then I want you to slide it off and put it on a white background. And it looks like a little oval with a line that comes down. And that line is the glue that attached it to a hair shaft. So while it looks almost like a tail, it's actually the glue and it's like a cylinder. And that's how the knit was anchored. So, you know, we also have, I have a hotline. It's 610-324-5661. People can text me a picture of what they're looking at on their white paper towel And then I answer them back. I don't know who texts me. It's all anonymous. I don't capture any information. I literally sit there with my cell phone and people text me and I either let them off the hook or I tell them, you know, this is something, what's going on? 
Wow. But because sometimes I have a hard time knowing because we have all kinds of things in our hair. There's lint, there's food, there's cradle cap. We have scabs from scratching just normally. So it doesn't mean you have lice. So sometimes I have to look extra careful. So as long as it's a good, not blurry picture, then you can send it to me. But if you do find it on somebody in the house, don't wait for other people to be itchy. Everybody that's in the house that either shares the hairbrush with that person or that has close head-to-head contact with that person is at risk and everybody should be checked because the one person that's itchy may be the one with the mild case early to be reactive to it, Mm -hmm. but the person that gave it to them could be not contagious at all. Another thing that also could remove the itch factor from actual, from having lice is if they take allergy medicine. Oh, so if somebody takes an allergy, right, they may never be itchy. Wow. So don't rely on waiting for somebody to be itchy or waiting to visually see it. If you have a comb, comb everybody if you do find it on somebody. And if you're doing visual head checks and you find it on somebody, you want to make sure you're checking at least twice a week visually. A mm-hmm. comb once every other week, visually at least twice a week if it's going around. Wow. Thank you. That's very good information to have. Part of what we talk about on our podcast, kind of like I mentioned, was being prepared. So our reactions and, you know, the way that we interact with our babies and young children can be, you know, just try our best to be best for them. You know, that's it. But preparation, education, all that's really helpful in that, you know, so all of these tips are wonderful. So thank you for sharing. I'm so glad. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our parents and educators? So when older kids, if they move on to public school or uh, larger private schools, we tend to rely on a school nurse Mm -hmm. and we want to rely on school just in general, especially in a Montessori setting where you have kids that do have siblings that are older and are in different programs and different things. My goal is really to make sure that parents are empowered to know what to look for and to be checking, because if you're relying on school to control an outbreak, whether it's the teacher, the nurse, the counselor, or the director of the school, you're relying essentially on one person to control an outbreak for an entire school. Mm -hmm. And that's an unrealistic expectation. I work with school nurses that if they, they, in my area, they've pretty much stopped doing head checks because they could check a kid today and tomorrow they have a full-blown case. And it wasn't that it just happened. It's that they didn't see it because Mm -hmm. a quick visual check is very easy to miss Mm -hmm. evidence of lice. And if you have a kid in third grade and fifth grade and you're checking, you know, the the kindergartner, now you have to check the third grade and the fifth grade class, and then you might find it in another class, and then they have a second grade. So it becomes a witch hunt. Parents need to be educated and on top of this and check their own family to control lice for their own family. We don't want to wait for the community to be dealing with it. You want to be lice control. I like to set my families that come into the salon that they are team lice control for their own family. Mm. Another thing I'd love to mention is to just remember that nobody does anything wrong to get head lice. And if you're one of those really anxious and squirrely people, and if you're vocal about if lice ever happened, I don't know what I would do. I'll burn my house down. I'll have to whatever, you know, is a deterrent for people to communicate to you because people are afraid 
that they have lice. And the last thing they want to do is tell somebody else that they need to check. But communicating is everything because we've had a handful today specifically. I had two, I had an aunt that came in that was with her niece over the holidays. And her brother told them that they had lice. And I checked her and she actually had it, but it was a very early stage. Had they not said anything in two or three weeks, she was supposed to go on vacation. She would have been on vacation with her friends with a full-blown case of lice, sharing it with her friends, maybe even finding it on vacation, right? Which is mm-hmm. such a bad situation. But they communicated and get it's it you're giving people grace by letting them know ahead of time. And only the sweetest people get it. So get over it. <laughs> yeah. Learn how to check, do it, make it fun. And let's change the way we approach this and the way we think about it. I do want to mention that very early on in my nitpicking career, I started out as the knit nanny in Philadelphia. And I worked with this beautiful school in the city and the pretty sure she was the owner of the school, very hands-on there every day, this beautiful, wonderful woman, Helen O'Grady. And she brought me in to do head checks. And instead of putting me in a closet and hiding the fact that I was doing head checks, because fortunately her school was growing and thriving and she was doing tours. Every time I was there, there were new families coming in for tours. They would walk by and I was a part of the tour. Oh, wow. Right. And I loved, I absolutely loved that the kids would come in and sit down. We would be in a well-lit hallway. I always traveled with a light and the kids would sit down in a chair in a well-lit hallway and these tours would go by and I would hear her or whoever was giving the tour. If there's a, if there's a case of lice, we bring in the knit nanny and she checks everybody and we have a good policy. And it was way better than other schools that said, oh, you have lice, go treat it. You can't come back until all the knits are combed down. And that made people, I feel like, not communicate to the school that they had lice because they couldn't send their kid. That means they're missing work or whatever. This was such a beautiful and wonderful approach that it so inspired how I kind of raised myself through this and evolved. And (laughs) I really appreciated that approach. I also fell in love with and wasn't familiar with the Montessori environment and how the kids work together and learn in the different ages and how they empowered each other. And I just, and I loved their indoor shoes and (laughs) I just... I loved everything about it. I really enjoyed the love that I felt in their school. Mm -hmm. And that's not everywhere. Most of my preschools are, but it's not everywhere. And I've worked with an awful lot of schools. And Montessori really is such a, a beautiful way of educating our kids and having them join our communities and societies as well developed thinkers. And if they can get through it all with all these beautiful life lessons, then life should not be the distraction or the obstacle that it is. It really can be turned into a compliment and just something, one of those things that we have to deal with. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I feel like this has been so, so helpful. It's been helpful for me as a new mom, you know, and I just know that, you know, the parents in our community are going to gain a lot of confidence from this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing. Cool. <laughs> You're so welcome. And now I, I, now that we're friends, I don't want you to ever worry if you ever have lice. Just reach out to me and I'll give you guidance. Thank you so much. Um, I will have all of her information linked in the show notes, you guys. And I'll put that number there as well in case anybody encounters it. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Arlene, for coming on the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And that was our conversation with Eileen Steinberg. I hope you feel as prepared and confident as I did leaving that conversation. I know I'm going to keep so many of these tools in my pocket for later on. So anyway, I just wanted to note that also if you feel inspired to, you know, start getting your child involved in their hygiene practices and such, I definitely recommend my workshop on fostering independence that's linked in the show notes because it has a lot of really fun ways to start including baby in their daily routines. So that is about it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to season two, episode 27, and I will catch you guys in our next episode. Bye. Hey, it's Bianca, your baby tour guide here, hopping back in to say thank you again for listening to this episode of our Montessori Babies podcast. If you found this episode helpful, I would absolutely love if you would screenshot this episode and share it in your stories and tag me at baby tour guide. Also, leaving a review is really helpful in helping other parents and caregivers find our show. Dr. Montessori said, the greatness of the human personality begins at the hour of birth and you as their parent and guide or caregiver are just the perfect person for that job. I'm so, so honored to be even a small part on your journey. And just remember that we're in this together.